and we're going to come round to God's Word now. So if you've got a Bible with you, if you want to turn with me to the book of Matthew, and we're going to be in Matthew 28, 1 to 15 together this morning, and then Zoe's going to come and open this up for us. This is what it says. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They, there they will also see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away whilst we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story had been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. I'm going to invite Zoe up and we'll pray. Father God, we want to thank you and praise you for this morning. Thank you for what Zoe has prepared to share with us today. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that as she speaks, we will hear your words through her this morning. May we be challenged by what we hear, and may we draw closer to you as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. What a day. Well, what a few days. My life has been turned upside down since I met Jesus. But let me tell you about that day. The guards, the cover-up, and the women who went all the way to tell the disciples about what they had seen. Because however many times I go over it in my head, the events of that day, I just can't understand what's gone on. We've all witnessed the same events and have come to such a different understanding. It's not even a game of interpretation. We all saw the same thing. I mean, everyone was afraid. Everyone was confused. But now there's all sorts of rumors going around. Firstly, there was a guard there that day, and I'm not sure why he was there anyway. He was dead. We all saw it. He hung and he bled and he was nailed to a tree, abandoned and definitely dead. It was dark. It was all over. He cried out 
and drew his last breath. It was finished. And a man named Joseph, he's quite rich, he asked for Jesus' body and he wanted to wrap it in white linen cloth and look after this Jesus, honour him properly. And he gave him his own new tomb. He cut it out of rock, no small feet. And that's where Jesus' body lay, or I mean it did. And there was a huge stone right at the front of the entrance. You couldn't even move it if you tried kind of stone. And there I was, sat with Mary Madeline, just opposite. And then this guard came along, and what an easy job. He was paid just to sit and watch a dead body, or so we thought. I mean, I get it. People wanted this man dead for some reason. Pilate couldn't find anything wrong with him. He wasn't even sure how to sentence him, so he asked the crowds, and they wanted him dead over Barabbas. I mean, do you know what that man has done? So I get it, partly. It's political. They don't want a scene. And others said they were concerned about the rumours. Apparently, Jesus was going around saying a few days before he died that after three days, he would rise again. I smile now, knowing what I know, that Jesus was still a problem for them, even when he was dead. They've never known how to handle him. They sent this guard to make sure. They were so sure to make the tomb secure. But then the Sabbath came, and we just lay and waited, just like Jesus' body in the tomb. But at the earliest opportunity, we got up, and I went with Mary, a friend of mine, back to the tomb to see where Jesus was laid. But as we traveled, we were stopped in our tracks by what I can only describe as a violent earthquake. The ground was shaking underneath us. We were shaking. It was like the earth was groaning. I've never experienced anything like it. The power, the magnitude, it made me feel minute. Heaven opened and an angel rolled back the stone so easily. See, look now, you were so sure you made the tomb secure. Simply, he opened the tomb and sat on the stone, almost smiling, saying, look what I've done. And honestly, you couldn't look at him. His appearance was like lightning in front of you. His clothes were like whiter than snow, a glimpse of God's glory. I mean, the poor guard, he was... He dropped down almost dead, physically shaking like an earthquake, trembling in fear. Then the angel said to us, do not be afraid. It was hard not to because I couldn't even describe what was going on around me. But his words brought me comfort. He knew we were there looking for Jesus to tend to his body. The angel said, he is not here. And the panic started to rise in me again. Where is he? And we followed him to the place where his body lay. We went straight into the tomb. 
walked straight past the open stone in front of us, and his body wasn't there. Just folded up linen cloths, lying like the ones Joseph wrapped him in. My heart is racing. Is this a dream? Go, the angel told us. Go and tell the disciples that Jesus isn't dead. He is risen indeed. That he is going ahead of you to Galilee. And there you will see him. We will see him. So we went, our heart pumping, feeling joy, not despair. Is he really alive? I was scared, though. Where is my saviour? I'd witnessed an angel speaking to me. And then, suddenly, Jesus met with us. And he greeted us. And we embraced him. We clung on to him. We clasped to his feet. His nail-scarred hands and feet. And we worshipped him. And he told us, just like the angel, not to be afraid. His response was so intimate, I could touch him. I wept over his dead body. And I was prepared to go and preserve his body. And here I am, clutching onto him. Go tell your brothers, he said, so they can see me too in Galilee. So off we went. And we did, and honestly, that moment, you should have seen their faces. That moment will last with me. You can imagine the rest of them. They wanted to go and see for themselves. So we went back to the tomb. And on our return, the guards had gone. They'd gone back and they told the chief priests everything. And they met and they discussed. And instead of going to see for themselves like we did, the living proof, the empty tomb, and consider it for a moment, they paid them to keep quiet. I mean, no one could pay me to keep quiet. And you might not believe me, but they've now gone around saying that the disciples came during the night and stole Jesus' body while they were asleep. Ridiculous. They were there. I was there. They shook to the point of death. They witnessed the miracle that I saw. They quaked when Jesus' body was set free. He rose from the dead. I still can't believe that I'm saying it. And they'd rather look like a fool. Have people think that they were asleep, risk their lives for the mess up, just to contain this Jesus. They can't contain him. This will spread like wildfire. Have the chief priests not learned anything by now? They were so sure they made the tomb secure. Three responses is what we see today in our passage in Matthew 28, verses 1 to 15. And through narration, I hope you see what I have seen. How placing ourselves in that story this morning, the very events that happened that were witnessed and were seen, we today have this truth 
to wrestle with. The events of the resurrection require a response. All were afraid, but one group deny Jesus. One group try and cover up the story, and one group clasp to his feet in worship. The guards deny what they saw. They were prepared to forfeit, forfeit their own reputation, become known as the sleepy snoozers, the ones who let the disciples in to steal the body for the sake of money and the promise of a secure life. And then we see the chief priests who try and contain the story, cover up and collude, keener to satisfy the governor to keep everyone from trouble than to deal with Jesus. And then we see the women who see the risen Jesus and they worship him. We're just going to spend a few moments now going through those 15 verses to study those three character groups and ask the question, how do they respond to the risen Jesus? First, let's take the guards. The guards or the soldiers. And they're the ones in the events of Holy Week who have the practical tasks to deliver on. They're almost the dog's bodies, if you like, in this evil plot that's thickening. Let's just zoom in for a moment. We are first introduced to the role that the guards or the soldiers play when we see Judas lead a guard to capture Jesus on the night that he was arrested. Right from the beginning, we see the guard's role or the role of the soldiers as a practical colluder in the story. They're part of the story. They're led to Jesus, but for all the wrong reasons. In John chapter 18, we see the account where Jesus is arrested. Let's picture the scene together. They're carrying torches and weapons and lanterns and are being led to a place where Jesus regularly meets with his disciples. Who is it that you want, Jesus asks them. Jesus of Nazareth is the reply. I am he, Jesus says. And as he speaks, they all draw back and fall to the ground. And the guards witness all of this. And then the story escalates a bit more with a guard losing its ear when Peter overzealously uh, charges into battle. And Jesus answers, no more of this. And he touches the man's ear and it's healed instantly. What's my point? As a group, as a character, these guards and these soldiers are practically part on the front line of witnessing the miraculous of Jesus in the madness. And, there, and we are left, by reading the Gospels, ambiguous as to how they respond to Jesus, if they do at all. And it goes on, it's their task to do the whipping, the torturing, the forming of a crown of thorns for Jesus to wear nailing the mocking sign, King of the Jews, above his head, to the soldiers casting lots over his garments at the foot of the cross. And we learn in the Gospels of one guard, one centurion, one soldier who responds to Jesus. He realizes who this Jesus is, 
And we read about it in Matthew 27. And in verse 54, we see how this guard or soldier or centurion had witnessed an earthquake, the earth shaking and the rocks splitting at the very moment that Jesus died. And he was terrified and is left exclaiming, surely he was the son of God. Let's just hold there for a moment because I think it's really significant. We have a choice about how we can respond. This can act as a warning to us, I think, because we don't want to be like the guards, so guarded that they miss out on encountering the risen Jesus. Because what do we see? Here is a guard at the moment of Jesus' death, following an earthquake, trembling in fear, deciding this is Jesus. But in our account in the resurrection today, after an earthquake, after an angel rolls the stone away, we see guards trembling in fear, shaking to the point of death. And how do they respond? They take a bribe. They take a payout. They go back to the chief priest to explain everything they've seen, and they agree to lie to cover up the story. They agree to tell people that they fell asleep during the night and the disciples came and they stole the body. You can imagine, can't you, the discussion between the chief priests and the guards. They've gone, oh my goodness, we're dead. The one job we were given to do, we failed in. The chief priests were so sure about who this Jesus was that it was the guards' job to make the tomb secure. And the chief priest said, if you lie, we will preserve your life. We will satisfy the governor and we will keep you out of trouble. They wanted to maintain their reputation, I guess, as guards or soldiers or their connection to the chief priests. It was easier for people to think that they'd fallen asleep than the fact that they were crazy in believing that a man who was once dead is now alive. And I wonder this morning, do we fear what people think about us if we believe in the resurrection? Because they evidently feared for their life. The bribe was too good to turn down due to the the lure of safety, I guess. Or did they go for it for the lure of money, satisfied with the large sum of money that was coming their way? Like Judas betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Whatever the basis of their decision was, the response we see from the guards at the very events of the resurrection is denial. It's easier to collude and go along with a cover-up than to think for themselves, than to deal with the events and the power of the resurrection that they have seen and experienced. They sought after security more interested in things of this world, money, safety, and protection, than choosing to walk with the resurrected Jesus. And I wonder today whether this response is in any of us. Do we see it in others around us? Denying Jesus is still a response. Ignoring the events of the resurrection is a response. Witnessing it, being there, hearing all about it, but not experiencing Jesus personally or letting the events of that day change you. 
Is that our response this morning, I wonder? Witnessing part of it, but not fully embracing the empty tomb and letting those events change you. The second response we see is the chief priests joining in from a distance. And joining in from a distance means they miss out on Jesus altogether. The irony we see as we study these verses is that their actions are extraordinary. The day after the crucifixions, the crucifixion, where the chief priests lobby Pilate to crucify Jesus, they go back to Pilate and they say, we remember that when Jesus was still alive, he was going around saying, after three days, I will rise again. The account actually uh, explains they call Jesus the deceiver. That's why they go and make arrangements for the guards to guard the tomb. And they do this because they do not want the disciples to come and steal the body in the middle of the night. But here's the irony that I was talking about. It names in Matthew that they say if that happens, that will be the last deception would be far worse than the first one. What I mean by that, the chief priests know and label Jesus as a deceiver. Yet what is their response to the good news? They deceive so many with this cover-up that they've, what happens, the rumor that they use is the one they feared from the beginning. Their very response, they say, that would be worse than Jesus claiming to be who he says he is, or the very scandal of his death on the first place, they use and they make a payment to the guards. And then we see the levels and the ripples of deception after that. Their response to Jesus is to label him a deceiver and then go and deceive others with the very lie that they were fearful of. After they have heard the first-hand account from the guards who witnessed the resurrection. One response is denial. One response is deception. But then we see the women who went to the tomb early in the morning with spices with the intention of anointing Jesus's body. First, they're greeted by an angel who counsels them in, his, in their terror, who leads them back to the empty tomb to see the strips of linen cloth lying there with no body and explains that Jesus has indeed risen. Go and tell the disciples, he says, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. And as they were leaving, suddenly Jesus meets with them. In other gospel accounts, we see Jesus calling Mary Madeline and she mistakes him for the gardener. But she knows exactly who he is when he says her name. Moments of embrace, moments of intimacy. And in this account today, we see the intimacy. They clasp onto Jesus' feet. They worship him. And then Jesus sends them out to be bringers of this good news. Go and tell the disciples, he says. For us today then, what do we see? 
we started by putting ourselves in the story from the point of view of someone who witnessed firsthand the account the gospel tells us all about. Why? Because we need to hear, again, the power and the rumbles of the earth that remind us that these are real events that require a response from us. And we see three responses in the passage, one of denial, one of deception, and one of worship. Two guards in the gospel witness an earthquake. They both tremble in fear. One said at the events of the crucifixion, surely that was the Son of God. The others pursue the world, maintaining their reputation, their finance, and their security. But the women in this passage, they choose to worship Jesus intimately. So I ask one more time, what is your response this morning to the events of the resurrection? Because John in Revelation sees a vision of Jesus. And this question I'm asking no longer seems hypothetical. How do we respond now to the events of the resurrection and how will Jesus respond to us? Revelation chapter 1 verse 17 shares John's account, and it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and Luke's going to help us to respond this morning, but I just want to use that to pray together. So let's pray. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And Jesus, we declare this morning that you are our risen Savior. We thank you that you are here with us now by your Spirit, And you give us your resurrection power. Lord, we read and we wonder this morning as we tread the holy ground of Calvary and read and live again the events of the resurrection. Jesus, we declare that we want our response to be one of worship. And we cling on to you now. We clasp onto you. We clutch onto you. We fall at your feet in adoration for what you have done for us. And I pray that you would come and search our hearts this morning for any hint of denial, any hint of misleading others or downplaying our faith. Lord, we call on your resurrection power to come and do a work of salvation here in this place this morning. And I pray you would help us to respond now. Thank you that we can be full of your spirit because the tomb is empty. Thank you, Lord, that we find full fullness of life because of your empty tomb. And through your body hung on a cross, we find full on forgiveness. Lord, we as a church this morning declare the grip of sin is over because the boulder has been bowled over. We want to respond to you now. King Jesus, we pray. Amen.